Hola, do you want to hear more of the men's room? Subscribe to the best of the men's room podcast on radio.com. Now, the greatest story never told with Miles and Thrill. Welcome to uh, episode five of the greatest story never told. Uh, today's episode will simply be titled Home. Home? And we'll get to that uh, here in a minute. And we start with our uh, previous life when we lived in Baltimore, Maryland. That is correct. Back in the days of murder and uh, not that we were murdering people, yeah. but in the murder capital. We were uh, we were working for uh, CBS Radio, which is an amazing group in Baltimore, Maryland. They suck. It they, was awful. They it was are, horrible. Uh, they're the worst ever. Uh, either way, now we're now we're back. Uh, they're part of our company again. Well, we bought them, yes, so they can do things so, right. So uh, now we have to we have to act like we like them. But honest to God, we don't. Well, no, they don't exist anymore. We can't. So it's okay. Them. You can you can trash CBS Radio, but yeah, it, uh, it sucked to work. The, the people that we worked with were great people. Uh, unfortunately, the bosses, the management, everything else were maybe the absolute worst in the business, with the exception of the man who hired us, Bill Pasher. That you know what? That's very true. And uh, Josh Medlock. Who was uh, oddly enough, yes, yeah, seemingly uh, one of those things. So uh, basically, here's what goes down: We learn from the higher ups that the number one guy in CBS Radio, his name is Howard Stern, mm-hmm. is leaving to go to Sirius Satellite Radio. Now, in preparation for this, and you have to understand, this is a major corporation, right? In preparation for this, the company that we worked for, CBS Radio, did absolutely nothing. They couldn't come up with a plan to save their stupid asses. They had no idea what they were going to do. In the meantime, they had a pretty successful talk format mm-hmm. with Donna Mike, Tom Likas, Us. Ad- Adam Carolla, others. But they determined that basically they're just going to tank this format and we are all going to be unemployed. That's the long and short of it. So we, we, we kind of got an inkling to this. And we figured, hey, uh, we should get off this ship before the band comes out and we all sink and die, you know, in 20-degree water. And, and keep in mind, the boss that we had at this time has been chasing Miles and I around, I'm not kidding, for at least three and a half months trying to get us to sign a contract with CBS. And, and to say we hate it working, there's an understatement, but Bill Pasha, who Miles yeah. has just mentioned at the top, we had worked for him. Bill Pasha left. He went to a company called Intercom Radio. And at the time, I had never heard of Intercom and all he said to us when he left was, look, if I'm you guys, just don't sign a contract. Sure. That's the only advice. So our bosses chased us for three months, sign a contract, sign a contract. Yeah, basically We're not what, sign. what Dave Labrosi did, who was our program director, was completely illegal. And even if we took that case now, I don't know what the statute is, but but it was completely illegal activity. Right. So how they were trying to force us into this contract was complete crap. By the way, this guy now works in New York, and like anybody else who's just a horrible person, fails up. They've seemed to do well in this industry. Just remember this, kids. If you want to get into radio and you're in the programming side, the only way that you can get a promotion, the only way that you can get advanced in the company is if you completely F up and are incompetent. Yes. And then you will be hooked up. Yeah. That's true story. So we decide that we should start fishing, so to speak, and uh, one of our old bosses mm-hmm. said, you should call uh, this guy named Dave in Seattle. He's looking for a show. And we said, yeah. Well, we actually didn't know. Dave called us. Guy we called Hair Club, whatever you want to call it, our boss here. And actually, the day he gave us a call, we had finished our show. Ted is now running the board afterwards for the Don and Mike show. I just want to get out of the building. I don't remember what had gone wrong that day, but me being me, I need to get the F out before I stab somebody. I am now in the lobby. I'm walking out. 
uh, a woman who's very kind, but she looked exactly like Warren Sapp, and we called her Warren Sapp. I swear to God, Mike, she looked like Warren Sapp. And uh, she goes, hey, you got a phone call. And I'm like, I, you've got to be kidding me. You've, I, now keep in I mind. I don't want to talk, but I grab the phone, and the guy just says, my name is Dave. I'm calling from Intercom Seattle. Things are, uh, are kind of closing up for the year. It's uh, near Christmas. We have I, I have a couple kids. We are, uh, but the time is really imperative on this deal. So can you fly out immediately for a meeting? Sure. And Steve and I, who have basically nothing going on except for family, friends, and kids. You know, it's the holidays. It's <laughs> Christmas. We do, I did a very early morning Christmas with my kids, which was fun because they're Jewish. And then we got on an airplane and we flew to Seattle. Yeah, that's right. Now, keep in mind, we don't have a dollar to our name. CBS would not pay us a dollar to have a dollar to our name. They absolutely were just the worst. And I'm going to keep beating this down because it's important to the story. So we get this flight, and we take off, and we head to Seattle. Now, we cannot tell anyone what we're doing. Right, this All is we know is that on Monday morning, we will fly back Sunday night, early Monday, very early. We will continue to do our show. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we'll be on the air no one knows where we are. Except for Ted. Ted does know. Side note on Ted. One thing that Dave Labrosi and Bob Phillips made us do was a free show at Jillian's, which is a great place, by the way. Oh, the place is yeah, great. It's fantastic. But they made us do an extra show without pay on Sunday mornings before Ravens broadcast, where they made a ton of money off of it, but they weren't going to pay us a dime for what we did. Because that's what they do. That is correct. Another illegal activity, by the way, mm-hmm. if, if you wanted to take it to a, to a lawyer. So at this point in time, uh, we should also mention that we had a boss on site who was not not only happy that we were there, but not really happy that we would have some beverages before NFL football games. We were doing an NFL broadcast. So what we did was we managed to figure out a way with a bartender to rig a Coke to be a Jack and Coke. Every time we ordered a Coke, Jack and Coke. And this guy that they sent there, literally his job on these these broadcasts from Jillian's, he stood there and stared at us to make sure that we did not consume any alcohol for this free broadcast they're giving him. And so when he when he looked at it, he would hear us order, hey, man, we'll just take another Coke. He would hear mm-hmm. us order. He'd watch us drink it. And then at the end of each broadcast, he's like, I swear to God, you guys seem drunk. So, man, you've been watching us yep. all. You've been again, watching us all day. You again, know, I, again, we did not get paid to do this. He got paid to be there. Right. Everyone else got paid. We did not get paid. Illegal. So, uh, but but Ted's going to fill in with a woman named Maggie Litz or Lutz. Litz. Litz. Because I always said Maggie Litz has saggy, and then so, I never. No, so, I never yeah, I filled so, in the blank. Okay, so I never filled in the blank, but she always looked unhappy when I said it. So, but 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 Ted and Maggie also had to explain why we weren't there to do that free broadcast for them that we didn't get paid for. So when we when we left, they're like, "Well, where is Miles and Steve?" And I think it was like Miles had to go. Ted and, said I was in Texas visiting family. Yeah. All the rest of this, but but we're in Seattle. We're not. We're on a flight. We're on a plane. We are headed to Seattle. We are going to interview. We're going to try to do this right. So we get in. It's late. It's Christmas night. There's 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 no there's nothing open. We check into our hotel. There's no food. Keep in mind, we don't have a dime. We don't have a dollar. Like we didn't have a dollar when we lived there because CBS wouldn't pay us any money. Right. So we didn't have any money even to eat then. We would scrape change, do everything we could to buy 40s, to buy 
cheap alcohol. Like we lived. The we most- literally would comb our sofas, his car, any change we had, and we'd go to the same liquor store right. and just buy 40s. So now we're in Seattle, which is great. Uh, we just don't have any money. And it's also Christmas night. So we get a hotel room, which is beside Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill in Seattle is the gay neighborhood. They had an incredible club literally 100 yards away from where we were staying in the hotel. It was the only place open. And it was booming because it's Christmas. This is a gay club. Think about all the families that hate their gay relative (laughs) because they're gay. They don't go home. Right, right. You know, you don't understand. But we go into this place because we're like, look, man, we are tall drinks of water. We look good. We do. They're going to buy us drinks, try to get us loosened up, and let's. here's the plan. Let's get all the free drinks we can because we're broke, right? Let them flirt with us. Ha-ha. Right? Fail safe. We walk in, kind of looking around. I think we went to the pool table first, shooting pool. But we're not drinking. We can afford pool because it's 50 cents a game. Mm-hmm. But we're not drinking. Sure. This guy finally walks over and uh, said, what are you guys doing here, man? So, well, what do you mean? So why are you guys here? We said, oh, we're just shooting pool. We're thinking about drinking. He goes, you guys seem awfully hetero. <laughs> Swear to God. So we told him. No, we said, no, listen, lie. we're not going to lie to you, man. We are hetero and we're broke and we're hoping you guys will buy us drinks because you're flirting. And he's like, that's the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, we're not going to lie and say it's not. And then they started buying us drinks. Yeah. They bought us drinks because we were honest about how sad we were. Look, man, and it's also Christmas. Okay, so it's like it's 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 the town is dead. There's nothing going on. All we know is this: we have a pair of tickets to see the Seattle Seahawks play the Arizona Cardinals the next day. It's Sunday. It's the twenty sixth. It's the right. next day after Christmas. We do know we're going to a football game, and then we're going to meet with our potential employer. Mm-hmm. And so, the general manager at the time. So we go to the game, and the game was weird, and here's why the game was weird. Uh, the Seahawks at that time were a terrible football organization. They had been since 1977. Sure. They are the worst with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are your Cleveland Browns now. Mm-hmm. They are your Detroit Lions at this point. What they did have was they had Jerry Rice, who for some strange reason, the Seahawks organization allowed – the number 80 to be unretired from Steve Largent, right. given to Jerry Rice. On the other side of the ball, we have Emmitt Smith, one of the greatest running backs in history. You know, what, four, three Super Bowls? Something like three, three Super three Bowls. Three Super Bowls. Uh, he is playing for the Arizona Cardinals. So we got to see uh, two of the greats yeah. in and weird uniforms. We got to see Trent Dilfer, our old Baltimore That's Ravens right. quarterback, play for the Seattle Seahawks. This is just a patchwork team of whatever we can get our hands sure. on. Sure. We go to the game. We have a great time, and then we meet our uh, now boss out for dinner. Dinner was wonderful. We went to a really nice steakhouse. We're starving. We have no food. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is this is really nice. We're trying to act like we're not starving. So we eat this meal. We feel like the night goes on pretty well. It's very difficult for us if you listen to our show to explain how and what the show is about, because then it was very in a box as far as you're doing this. You're doing that. Right, right. Our box was we're just talking to people and coming up with relatables and talking about food. We're talking about television. We're talking about culture. We're talking about But that's not that's- what we said. We were asked directly, how would you guys describe your show? And I'm not kidding. For about a minute and a half, it was, uh, um, uh, uh, I mean, um, and this just went on. Like, we had not, we, mm-hmm. and I mean, literally, we did not answer that question. No, we didn't. We tried. We not just, very well. We had no idea. 
So, uh, so we did the best we could. And then the next morning, we have to meet with the general manager of the radio station. Keep in mind, we got hammered the night before because we're out with our current boss now, but it's just the three of us. And we're at that steak restaurant, and we are eating, eating, eating. We are drinking because he, he's big into what he calls the brown, right? He likes really good mm-hmm. whiskeys, all this stuff. So we're like, sure, sure, yeah, we love whiskey too. And we get absolutely 100% smashed. But now the next morning is when we're supposed to meet with uh, the general manager will now be there too, which is a little nerve-wracking because we've never met this person before. Right. And we wake up, and it's not that we're hungover. We are still drunk. I'll put it this way. As we were walking out of the hotel room to go to this, what, brunch time thing? Yeah, it was, it was early morning. I had to stick my finger down my throat and make myself puke. And he did. Yes, seriously. Now, we were walking out the door. I said, man, I'm going to throw up on these people. Let me just puke real quick. So we go to this the seafood restaurant. Keep in mind, we're also coming from Baltimore. <laughs> so Baltimore, if you've never been there, has some of the best seafood restaurants Period. In, in, the, in the country, without question. So we go to this upscale seafood restaurant. I'm going to get the seafood chowder because it's normally, it's normally really good, like where we're from. This stuff was so rubbery and so bad. Like as I tried to chew it, you could hear the squid. You could hear the clams. It was the clams. The you clams could hear the mussels like... squeaking in my mouth as if I'm chewing on a rubber toy and I'm a two-year-old puppy. And I'm trying not to puke at and this I'm point. And I'm me right? too. So I had told my – and we're trying to do this quietly because, again, we're interviewing. So Miles is like, hey, I'm thinking about the chatter. I'm kind of kicking him under the table. With the, Please do not get I can't handle, even if you're getting it. I, right. And then to hear these clams. So every time he's chewing. <laughs> so thank God they threw us in a cab at that point because they paid for it. We had no money to get to the airport. We get to the airport and we get on our flight and we're flying home and we feel awful. It's, it's hard to explain just how hungover slash still drunk we are. I have it, five bucks in my pocket. Uh, that's it. We have uh, huge hangovers. We have no money for Advil. We don't have any money for anything. Not a beer at the, at the airport. We have nothing. We get to Las Vegas, which is our layover spot before we head back to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, now we're on a red eye. We're going to fly in the morning. Both of our heads are about ready to pop off. We're starving. And I put five bucks in the Wheel of Fortune slot machine. That is correct. I hit for 135. Dude, you'd have thought we won $10 million. I mean, we are screaming and hugging. Now we can get a cab ride home from the airport right. in Baltimore just to get home. We can also eat in the Vegas airport. We can so the but keep in mind, this is how bad it was. The first thing that we did when we got that money was we went and we bought Advil. Advil and et cetera. And then Seriously. we just because we were in such bad shape. So then Burger King and then Burger King after that. And then we get on a plane. We have no money left over to at least get a cab to get to the radio station because we now have to do a four hour talk show. Right. The plane lands about 730. We hit the air at 11. So it's like go home, shower. We don't even have time to go home and shower. We, we, we go straight to the radio station, act like nothing is going on. You know, in the meantime, Ted, who was at Jillian's, has been fed Jack and Cokes because he asked for a Coke. <laughs> They are learning all the, the intricacies. We forgot to tell him. He did not know. So, so his first words when we came back, hey, jackasses. We're like, what, man? It's like a cover for you at Jillian's. We're like, yeah. yeah. He's like, I ordered a Coke. And we're like, oh. He's like, I almost spit it out of my mouth, except that the babysitter was there, and I couldn't. I didn't want to do mm-hmm. it in front of him. It's like, in the meantime, yeah. we feel like that we have completely blown this interview. We don't feel I like. I remember Miles asked me this on the plane. We get on the plane in Vegas. Now that we've eaten and are willing to have a conversation, Miles goes, man, we were hammered. 
through the entire thing. And we were clearly hammered. We were obviously drunk. There was no secret about it. And Miles goes, man, do you think we blew that? I looked at him. I said, man, we really did. And we were kind of beating ourselves up about it. Yeah. We're just like, man, so here's your we opportunity. Do, we do a couple shows. Uh, and then we get a phone call back from our boss now in Seattle. Hey, I want to talk to you guys when you're off the air. Mm-hmm. So we meet up at Steve's place. Uh, we start doing copious amounts of drugs. And we start drinking. While waiting for, and keep in mind. We're waiting for Do a you phone think call. we blew the interview because we got too drunk? Yeah. Well, and we're kind of commiserating. But the guy has now called us back. So what are we going to do while we wait for the call? Drink some more and all the drugs that we can possibly do. In the meantime, now uh, we're... We're fairly confident that we've upped this up. We'll take the call. We'll figure it out. So in the meantime, we get hammered. We're sitting in his uh, living room. We're smoking weed. I accidentally light my leg on fire. And as soon as my leg goes up in flames, don't ask why, because I was trying to light up like a fuzzy thing on my sock or something there was to a, burn it off. It was like a single piece of string coming yeah, off you know, the side you're of your to burn shoe. Off a string, you know. But but Miles bursts into flames. But we're stoned and we're just staring at him. On I'm fire. like, dude, I'm on fire. And you're like, yeah, you are. Uh, so then the phone rings. And that kind of snapped us out of it. This is no kidding. So it's our boss. It's our now boss. And he said, you guys did great. We want to hire you. And I even said, did you call the right number? And I remember, I said, seriously, man, we were hammered. He goes, I know. He said, I know you were yeah. drunk. And everything you guys did is not the way anyone should do anything. But there was still something mm-hmm. about you right. guys that I really liked. And there's all kinds of weird things. Like, we want to put you on a mornings, but there's a problem in mornings. We've got lawsuits. We've got all this stuff. Oh, yeah. It was cool. Uh, we're going to just throw you on a nights for the time being. We'll try to get this figured out. By the way, they never got any of that stuff figured no, out. Except no. for settling lawsuits. They they never completed any of that mission. But we did stay, and we and we moved out. So uh, basically, the way it goes down is you're going to get a truck. You put your crap in there, mm-hmm. uh, and then you move out here. So the first stop is at my place. And I'm pretty efficient on most stuff. I have uh, two bedrooms. I do have a couple beds and some other stuff. But I'm traveling fairly light. Steve is a one-bedroom place in the same situation. Right. We don't have a lot of stuff. Then we go and we put Ted on the very end. Ted had like a mattress. And that's about it. And two bags of clothes that were in garbage bags. All right? That's it. And I'm not kidding you. I went to what I consider still to be the best weed dealer ever in Baltimore, and I bought as much crap as I could from him with what I had, mm-hmm. and I packed it up into a Metamucil container, into a box. We are packed up. That Mayflower truck is going to go 3,000 miles across the country. It is bringing our stuff. We have one-way tickets to Seattle. We do not know where we're going to live. We have you don't no- know anything. Ted doesn't know anything. He just knows. He told his friends, we're moving. We're leaving. I'm moving to the West Coast. I'm going to Malibu every weekend. I'm going to hang out in Santa Barbara. I'm going to go to the beaches. Just understand this, because now we're on the flight. We are on the plane. We're in our seats. And we are flying, and Ted looks out the window, and below us, it's just all brown, right? And snow. It's the Great Plains. He goes, well, what do you... Where are we right now? And I said, man, I'm just looking down. I don't know, but based on what I know of America, when you see that much brown, chances are, just like Miles said, we're probably over the Great Plains. All right, so... We don't realize that Ted at this point might be geographically challenged. We have no idea. So he no, grabs the, the flight no magazine idea. that they have, and he flips to the back where they have the maps. And he locates where the Great Plains are, which is essentially right in the middle of the country. And he starts freaking the hell out on the plane. You can give me that look, Mike. That's the look we gave Ted. Like, what, what is going on? He, he did goes, not know where Seattle was. He didn't realize how far we were going. So he, he moved no with no knowledge of where he was moving to. <laughs> 
I've never, I've never, and I mean, he's on this the plane. Is the he's freaking out. We're like, dude, are you being serious? And we keep in mind, from the time we got hired, we had six weeks before we moved. So we told him most people in six weeks, you're going to look at a map, you read mm-hmm. some stuff about Seattle, that kind of thing. You said he knew that he was going to the coast, though. He did. West he knew coast. the Pacific coast. He did not know But west. to him, that is yeah. California, and, and then California only exists yeah. from Los Angeles and, 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 to San and, and, Diego. In the, in the meantime, we had a really nice, uh, there was a, a loyal group of listeners that were. People who we worked with, who we just wanted to say one final goodbye to. So we had a party uh, at the CVP, the Charles Village Pub, yep. to say goodbye to everyone. Uh, by the way, uh, Dave Labrosi and Bob Phillips, who are still employed by this company or other companies, went there to challenge us to a fist fight in front of this bar. I am not left. kidding you. This is an honest God. Tr- this is this is the world we live in, right? This we is how gave ridiculous notice. It's not like we bailed. I mean, like we gave notice, explained the situation. He now decides. He wants to fight us. And Ted's on probation at the time. So Ted even tells him, the only reason I don't drop your ass because it's like, I go to jail. Mm-hmm. Right? We're on the street. So we're, t- we're about ready to throw it out. And this guy, and I remember, he wanted to fight, and his last words to us there were, I'm going to make it my life's work to ruin your career in radio. This is what Bob Phillips mm-hmm. says to us. Yep. A couple of years later, I am back in Baltimore to visit a friend, and my wife says, oh, we're in a parking garage, and we're about to walk across the street to this bar. And my wife goes, oh, no, do you recognize that guy? I look. It's Bob Phillips. And he says to me, hey, do you remember me? And I started walking toward him. And you know me. I got very loud. And I told him, I'm about to beat your effing ass. And when I say this, the security guard is working the garage. He pops out. He's kind of watching. Well, that was his challenge. That's what Bob put out. And I just told him, hey, man, I just want to finish what you said you're going to start. Now, here we are. And you you seem a lot less certain right now. Because I'm, like, foaming at the mouth to beat this mug. This would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, I've never, I've never wanted awesome. to hit someone so bad. But in the end, uh, we did get security guard kind of, uh, let's just say, prevented that. So I told him, I said, man, that security guard wasn't here. You were picking up all of your teeth out of this goddamn mm-hmm. parking lot. You know it. I know it. I will beat your effing ass, right? By the way, the person I was meeting, his right-hand person. So when he went to work Monday. Who, who equally <laughs> couldn't stand him. Yeah. Uh, but we get here. Uh, we, we check into a hotel. We are living the life of still no money. Uh, we would get up in the morning at the Spring Hill Suites and get breakfast sandwiches that they had downstairs to last us throughout the day. We would we, set the alarm just to get up, steal some sandwiches, take bring them up. bananas. We, we, had, we, had, we had nothing. Let me just say this. I like sausage and biscuits. I'm okay if I don't eat it again. We yeah. ate it every day for 11 so days. So eventually, two weeks later, our truck pulls in and puts all our stuff in storage because now we're in a temporary apartment, mm-hmm. which we lived in for nine months. We'll get into more of those stories later. Uh, yeah. But just know this. This storage unit was an entire 18-wheeler scenario. So every box that was in this huge 18-wheeler is now in a big storage unit. One thing we know, in the back of this thing somewhere, there's weed in a Metamucil <laughs> container. We don't know anyone here. We don't know how to get high. We don't have any money. And I said, man, let's go to the storage unit. And it looks like Raiders. It looks right. like when they were taking the Ark and pushing it through the warehouse at the end, you're never going to find this. Because I'm like, dude, we're never going to find this. We're never going to find So this. I start just climbing over 10-foot high boxes <laughs> on all fours. And I knew when I found the box that I would recognize the box. Because like anybody else who moves when they're that age, you got all of your boxes from the back of a liquor store. That is correct. And I'm pretty sure that that was in a Jack Daniels or Jim Beam box. This is what I remember. He found it in the first 
I found this. I could not, but I found this fucking thing in 30 seconds. <laughs> and by the way, all of his Metamucil smelled like weed. Yeah. <laughs> we he were couldn't. hired. We were high. And now we've made it to Seattle. Uh, sorry we ran out of time on the uh, aspect of the uh, the incident. but uh, we'll get uh, Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So there is uh, episode five of The Greatest Story Never Told. You've been listening to The Greatest Story Never Told with Miles and Thrill on Radio.com. Oh, man. A Double Flush production.